Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort, and this is another edition of Comfort's Corner, where we bring you the inside story and what's happening in and around the transit industry. And today, it's no different. We've got a great show for you lined up today. We've got some uh, important headline news and then a great newsmaker interview with Scott Bogren, who is executive director of the Community Transportation Association of America, CTAA, which represents America's small and mid-sized transit agencies. And it's a great in-depth interview about what's happening in Washington, D.C. We've got uh, Alea Carey's Messaging Minute, which as always is great. And uh, Mike Bismeyer's Mike's Minute on kindness and leadership in the industry. And then a look at the future of public transportation and what's happening around the transit industry with some of the latest conferences, et cetera, coming up. All of that on this edition of Comfort's Corner. And now on to our headline news. Uh, a lot of big news coming out of uh, the nation's capitals around the world when it comes to public transportation. We're going to do a deep dive into what's happening here in the U.S. in our Newsmaker interview with Scott Bogren in just a few minutes. So we'll leave that information for there. But I did want to let you know about what's happening in Canada. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has announced plans late last week for the federal government to spend an additional $14.9 billion over the next eight years on public transportation projects across the country. The funding includes $5.9 billion in short-term funding that will be dispersed on a project-by-project basis starting this year. The rest is to go toward the creation of a permanent transit fund of $3 billion per year starting in 2026. Money from that fund will be earmarked following consultations with the provinces, territories, municipalities, and indigenous communities. Trudeau said the permanent transit fund is meant to provide stable funding so municipalities can build and expand their public transit systems. And uh, he said, we need efficient and modern public transit systems to make our communities more connected. Well, that's for sure. And he said, while these investments are good for the economy and crucial to our recovery from this global crisis, they're also helping us achieve our climate goals. Trudeau said the funding could be used for everything from subway extensions and electrified transit fleets to walkways, cycling pathways, and projects to improve rural mobility. The federal government in Canada has invested over $13 billion in more than 1,300 public transit projects across Canada since 2015. So good news coming in Canada, kind of following on the U.S.'s foot, footprints when it comes to the federal government stepping up and adding extra funds. And it's important because another new report calculates that millions of Toronto transit riders in Canada have uh, decided not to ride TTC and instead gone on ride-sharing platforms like Lyft and Uber, resulting in a revenue loss of at least $74 million in 2019. That was uh, you know two years ago before the pandemic. According to the report released by a group called Ride Fair Coalition, an estimated 31.4 million TTC trips were lost to the two major ride-sharing platforms. So that just confirms, you know, what we knew, which is part of the reason why transit ridership was going down, was that traditionally what they call choice riders were taking other modes of transportation. And finally, a bit of good news also from the U.S. government, a total of $100 million in competitive grant funding has been made available by the Federal Transit Administration here in the U.S. through a notice of funding opportunity for the low or no emission, they call it a low-no grant program. So you'll hear about this low-no, and if you're not familiar what it is, the low-no programs helps eligible project sponsors purchase or lease low or no emission vehicles 
and supports facilities that use advanced technologies to provide cleaner, more energy efficient transit operations in communities across the country. This year's uh, low no program will prioritize applications with an environmental justice component, they say, as well as those that will support workforce development activities to help America's transit workers succeed. So those are some of the headlines on Comfort's Corner today. Now stay tuned for a in-depth interview with Scott Bogren, who is executive director of the Community Transportation Association of America. A great guy, been in the industry a long time. I think you'll really enjoy this in-depth look at what's happening in Washington, DC. Hi, I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. On the last Comforts Corner, I launched a series about social media platforms and transit communications. This week, the focus is on that appealing, easy-to-use kid sister to Facebook, Instagram. Instagram provides you with a fat, juicy picture box that dominates the screen, along with a box for text. Text is limited to just around 2,000 characters, but the optimal Instagram post is probably more like under 200, maybe even just a few words. Mainly, people are there to see a beautiful image. Instagram is optimized for phones, so yes, users are checking it out on the go, but that doesn't mean it's good for alerts and updates. It's a better place to build your agency's personality and brand look. Big agencies like LA Metro and Amtrak have beautiful Instagram accounts and the staff photographers to help them capture the most post-worthy images. But even without a big budget, you can capture great pictures. Remember to keep your branding prominent with logos and consistent design. Oh, and use Instagram Stories feature to post temporary quick views in still images or video. Want to talk more about Instagram or anything else related to transit and communications? Look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. This is Transit Unplugged, and I'm your host, Paul Comfort. Great to be with you today on another edition of Comfort's Corner, where we bring you the inside story, what's happening in and around the transit industry. And today we're excited to have with us Scott Bogren, who's Executive Director of the Community Transportation Association of America. Scott, thanks so much for being our guest today. Uh, it's great to be here, Paul, and it's always good to catch up with you. Yeah. Yeah, Scott and I go way back uh, from our early days when we were both got started in this thing. But Scott yep. now really has his uh, finger on the pulse of what's happening in the transit industry. Um, Scott, tell us a little bit about the organization you lead. I know most people probably know about it, but for those who don't around the world, maybe you could tell us some about what CTAA does. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a national nonprofit membership association. We've got, uh, in terms of operating members, about 1,400 members and affiliates that operate vehicles and provide trips. Um, our our kind of core membership base are rural public transit agencies around the country, small cities. Generally, the urban membership in CTA is going to be in populations under 500,000. Um, we have a lot of members that are doing non-emergency medical transportation, some private sector, some public agencies. We've got a lot of specialized operators, paratransit, 
5310, which are serving seniors and people with disabilities. We have tribal, uh, tribal transit, a uh, good membership from, from that base. And as well, um, systems that are serving veterans or systems that are operated by volunteers, uh, all those kind of all get caught up in, in our membership. That's great. And um, if people want to find out more or maybe join CTAA, what should they do? Just go to ctaa.org and uh, you'll see a join button. You click on that. Um, you can also contact me directly, our membership director. We'd love to have you. That's great. And you all put on some amazing conferences that I've been a part of over the last 25 years I've been a part of. I used to be a state delegate from Maryland to CTAA, and I'd encourage people who haven't had a chance. These are really rich, content-filled conferences. Just before we go into the kind of details what we want to talk about today, which is what's happening in the United States for funding and regulation, uh, tell us about your next upcoming conference. Yeah, our, our annual, uh, this Community Transportation Expo, is going to be in Richmond, Virginia. Um, we have committed as an organization, board, staff, state delegates, to doing a full in-person meeting in 2021. Uh, we're scheduled right now for mid-June. We're monitoring all the safety uh, regulations that the state of Virginia has. We have some backup plans to move later in the fall if need be. Um, but yeah, we wanna, we wanna bring our folks together again. We didn't have our conference in 2020 um, and uh, we all miss it. Uh, uh, it. CTA and our membership and the expo is I'm glad to see that you see the content and the value. It's also really a chance for us to kind of reconnect. Yes. And that's never going to be more important now than this next conference where we've all been isolated in, in, in varying ways for the last almost year now. Um, so, so yeah, Expo 21 in person, but doing it safely. That's awesome. And all that information will be on your website, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Now let's dive into the topic du jour. So here in the United States and around the world, as we know, transit ridership has taken a gut punch, I call it, uh, and dropped 50 to 90% based on you know what type of service. Commuter services having the higher end, regular bus, light rail, subway, a little lower, uh, and I guess subway somewhere in the middle. Yep. So... Um, Transit, uh, transit has, as a result of that, had a dramatic reduction in revenues from fare box recovery ratios, from cities who have sales tax and other uh, tax subsidies that help fund them. Uh, right now, in uh, the middle of February 2021, what are the concerns right now? The U.S. government has had two tranches of funds that they've given uh, $25 billion in the CARES Act, and then uh, around Christmas time, another $14 billion, which went largely to the largest agencies, I understand, in the U.S., yeah, Talk about the concerns right now about mid-sized transit agencies and smaller agencies in the U.S. Sure. Well, you know, Paul, we surveyed our, our rural and our small city operating members in January. And our rurals reported year to year in January a 49% drop in ridership. And our, and our small cities were right at like 50. It was like 49.8. So... Looking at those numbers, um, one thing we've learned is the smaller the agency, the, the less ridership they've lost. And, and, and we know, and our members know, that that's largely due to the fact that uh, a high percentage of the trips these systems uh, provide every day is essential. Uh, they, are, they are to a, a, a ridership group that often has no other options. And 
they are taking people to essential destinations or the individuals are essential personnel for, for other pieces. So um, that didn't surprise us, but it, it was important to, to bring forward to the Congress because there's this concept that big massive metro systems, the, the big urbans that have the rail, both commuter and subway, that have seen much more dramatic ridership losses and thus losses, as you mentioned, in Fairbox recovery and other pieces, are the only ones that are hurting and that we ought to be stimulating with, with COVID-19 bonus appropriations or stimulus appropriations, those agencies that have had these massive losses. And we've really been trying to remind the Congress that a lot of our members, um, they're still doing half their trips and, and they are really contributing to all of us being able to get through this pandemic and don't forget them as you start to set, as you come up with formula formulas to send funding directly to these agencies. And it was a little bit troubling. The CARES Act, which was now, you know, end of March, 2020, basically used sta the standard 5307 and 5311 formulas. There was something in the 5307, the urban formula to punch up a little bit folks who had a lot of fixed guideway rail. But largely speaking, follow the formulas, everyone, every agency got some funds. And those funds were a godsend. I've heard that again and again and again. You've probably heard the same thing talking to people. It's what's allowed folks to keep people employed and get through this. The second round that passed, we, 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 we all call it here in DC, the CRISA funds that, that passed at the end of December, took a much different approach and ended up from a small urban perspective, you funded 40 out of the nation's 330 small urban UZAs. Wow. And so that left a lot of people on the outside looking in. And these are agencies that largely are running out of their CARES Act funds, are seeing ridership declines um, and, and need to be boosted and, and made whole, as whole as we can make anyone right now. And so we, 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 we were trying to remind Congress that the pandemic's everywhere and transit is a national program. It's not a program in 15 largest cities in the country. It's a national program. And if we're gonna be able to get votes in Congress to the numbers we need, members need to have a reason to vote for the transit in their communities. That's good. Thank you for that. Now let's take a look at what's happening right now uh, yeah. in Washington, D.C. So uh, President Biden has proposed a $1.9 trillion uh, Coronavirus Recovery Act. And as part of that, initially there was going to be a $20 billion tranche of funds. And now it looks like it's $30 billion. And the House Transportation Infrastructure Committee has evidently you know, reviewed that and passed it out. Tell us about, did Congress hear your concerns in this bill? Well, yes and no. And, and, and we, we, had, we had said in any future um, uh, appropriations, use the standard formulas. Um, I didn't think that was going to actually happen, but it, it, it was a good baseline for us to point to. And, and uh, they did hear us. This tranche has funding for everyone. Okay. Which is good. And it is 
passed out of the House at 30 billion, and now we're going to see what the Senate kind of the Senate's approach. But the interesting factor to, to look at is it's still absolutely top heavy. And the best way I can say that is New York in the New York, New Jersey, UZA, uh, Connecticut, um, Chicago, uh, DC, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, those five urbanized areas get more than half of the 30 billion. So yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying they don't need it. I know they do. Um, but there at least was recognition here that every state ought to get some funds for additional rural, every small urban ought to get something. And so we felt heard on, on that issue. And now we'll work with the Senate to tweak some of those pieces. And, and but I think generally what I'm hearing from our members is baseline, if, if what the House Transit and Infrastructure Committee passed uh, two days ago um, ended up in law, generally speaking, our membership would be pleased. Very good. Scott, there's a, a, a maneuver that the House and Senate leaders have talked about using so that they could keep themselves from having to pass the 60 vote potential Senate threshold for a filibuster. And that is called the Budget Reconciliation Act. There's a lot of confusion in the industry about what that means. Could you describe how this could end up passing the Senate and the House by bare majorities? Basically, what they're saying is to, we're gonna create budget authority and, and once the two bodies have budget authority, they don't need those majorities. Okay. So, so by creating a budget reconciliation, and we've seen this in the past, this isn't the first time uh, the, a maneuver like this has been done. It just kind of bumps up the amount of funding that can be spent and they, and they do it in a way by, by bringing it in within budgetary guidelines that you can pass with uh, simple majorities rather than 60 votes in the Senate and, and other pieces. That's good. Now, how does this differ? This Okay, this is like a Coronavirus Relief Act will be yeah. the third big one for the transit industry. How does that differ from the Reauthorization Act? And what is that? And where are we at on that? Okay, well, th this one, it's, it's important to note uh, with CARES and CRISA, the funds were 100% federal, which these are too, which is important. And second, they are this time though, they're not unlimited on time. There's a three-year window in which these funds will have to be spent. Okay. That's new. And, in, and it's important. And what for transit managers who are listening, I think the thing that this creates is a very unusual situation where you're gonna have your normal FY21 appropriations, which have been passed and which are, have been apportioned by the FTA. You, every agency knows what they're getting. And those funds have, um, FTA is married to those funds, some flexibility to deal with coronavirus related pieces. Then you've got some CARES Act funds potentially still out there. Maybe you got some CRISA funds and now you may get this third tranche. Systems need to be looking at like, how do I prioritize which of these to tap? Some of them are 100% federal, so they don't require that normal local share that maybe um, is a little harder right now because local and state budgets are uh, similarly uh, impacted economically. Um, so it, it's, this is a situation in the 30 plus years I've worked in transit we've never had yes. where 
we have a lot of assets and resources to, to at play, but we've got to be careful and, and in how we spend them to make sure we do that in what's the most effective way in, in a community. You have to be strategic in how you tap them, right? Yeah, you do. Yeah, I've heard from several, uh, actually, even just this week, you and I talked to the same person, uh, uh, and different uh, counties and cities are saying, oh, this can offset what I was going to give. I heard one uh, transit leader out west tell me that early on. Wow, you're going to get a big hunk of money, millions of dollars. We can cut back what the city's going to give you then. So that's a concern as well, right? Oh, totally. It's, it's kind of the, the underplayed, uh, what I would call it, unintended consequence of all these federal funds rolling in at 100%. We saw North Carolina about six months ago, their state legislature slashed $50 million in state transit investment with exactly that rationale. Uh, and Ohio, I was reading this morning, um, uh, this, the governor's budget has a pretty significant cut in state transit funds. We're gonna see this play out in varying ways at localities and states because let's, let's be honest, the federal government can deficit spend. Cities, counties, states, they can't. That's right. Balanced budget and, requirements, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, the, how that all shakes out long-term is gonna be interesting to see. Very good. All right, we're running low on time, but I do have several more topics, so let's do a lightning round. <laughs> Give us uh, a little bit about reauthorization. Reauthorization, uh, FAST Act is good right now through the end of September. Uh, the authorizing committees in Congress are actively working on reauthorization, and we expect to see the administration's kind of reauthorization plan wrapped into uh, President Biden's first budget, which we should see early April. Where are we at on the Fair Free Movement? Our friend Robbie Mackinnon has been kind of the father of that here in the U.S., but it's rolling out other places. Phil Washington was saying in L.A. they were thinking about it. Now smaller and mid-sized agencies are saying maybe we should just stick with Fair Free. You know, there's, there's a push in our field right now to try to bring um, equity into a lot of what we're doing. Fair Free is a great way to do that. And I'm in complete agreement with Robbie, and I've been in meetings with him where he says, you know, the $2 the low-income rider has to pay for a fare is much better spent in the community and giving that back to them so they can get healthy food, so they can get a prescription, and he's right. And, you know, um, we've learned a lot about our ridership in the last 10 months, 11 months, and we've learned about kind of what's essential. And it's these essential passengers who continue to ride, I don't care what kind of service we're operating, coming up with ways to make it easier for them to apply technology and these innovations that we're applying to that ridership base is, I think, the best way for transit to address equity. Uh, next topic, uh, the mask mandate. So we had CDC come out and require masks on public transit. Uh, now we've had even further regulations coming through DOT, FTA. Can you tell us what's going on there? It's real simple. Everybody's got to mask up. Uh, uh, the federal government through TSA and through CDC is requiring it on any public transportation vehicle, small 5310 up to commuter rail treated all the same Amtrak, inner city bus. Um, and look, we've lost over 300 operators to this virus in the last 10 months. Um, uh, this, this, all transit managers should be 
obviously addressing this because it's for the safety of their own employees and our and our and and our frontline workers, and we've got to do our part to reduce the spread of this virus. That we got to get the economy open again. Transit is going to limp along until we do that. If this is one role we can play to help that happen quicker, it's to me it's something we have to do. And final question, perfect segue in, in uh, public transit helping us get through this, the vaccine. So the vaccines come on site and a lot of transit agencies have offered, you know, free transportation to get your vaccine, et cetera. What's the latest going on there from your view? Real important, you know, um, particularly with smaller agencies, we have worked, you remember it well, we've talked about coordination and working with public health and all these other or entities in the community forever. And we've done all those things, and now is the time to make that work. Because getting, you know, we had a lot of systems, uh, 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 over half of our rural entities in the last 10 months switched and added services that were delivering food, groceries, prescriptions. Of course, those same people, if they can't get out to get their groceries, they probably aren't gonna be able to get, get out to get to the vaccine either. And these are some of the most high risk groups. So yeah, transit across the country is engaged in this. We're hearing from members that are locating vaccine distribution sites in transit facilities. We love it. A lot of our urban members are rerouting vehicles past and, and, and through vaccine sites. FTA has been great about making very clear that all of these funds they've made available at 100% federal absolutely can be used to pay for these trips, it's, it's critical, again, just what we just said earlier, this is our role to get our, our little piece of getting the country reopened and getting the country past this so significant and, and, and uh, uh, issue that we've been dealing with the last 11 months. I can't think of anything more important for transit to be engaged in than be assisting with that. It's awesome. Wow, Scott, that was a great uh, review of all the top topics uh, that we're dealing with, I think, right now in transit. Thank you so much for that view. This, was, this has been our Newsmaker interview with Scott Bogren, Executive Director of the Community Transportation Association of America, and one of the most effective voices for public transit in small and mid-sized regions across the country, in the nation, and in the world. Thanks, Scott, for being our guest today on Transit Unplugged. Paul, and everybody out there, be safe, keep, keep masked up, and uh, look forward to hearing from you soon. Hi, this is Mike Bismeyer, Regional Sales Director for Proterra, and this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about kindness, leadership, and mentorship with the hopes it will inspire you to pay it forward. Keeping politics and party preference out of the discussion, it has been inspiring to see the many familiar faces and great leaders from transit who have been recently appointed positions within the administration to continue to lead the future of transportation in North America. Again, a great reminder of the amazing talent, leaders, and mentors we have in our industry. Many of us have been lucky enough to cross paths, learn, and be inspired by their thought leadership and their passion to be change makers, to which we all have benefited. And speaking of change makers, February 24th in Canada is Pink Shirt Day, inspired by an act of kindness and also known as Anti-Bullying Awareness Day. Kudos to Davis Shepard and Travis Price, whom in 2007 started what has become a global movement by taking a stand in their school and creating awareness. 
Anti-bullying is near and dear to me, and for many of you who have heard my story, you understand that's the reason I'm passionate about kindness. These are all examples, however, of how we can be the change. I look forward to seeing you wearing pink on February 24th. Kindness is cool, and thanks for listening. Join us April 26 to 28 for virtual Think Transit. This three-day conference will feature powerful keynote sessions from industry leaders, live demos of our new and innovative solutions, and takeaway resources you'll be able to apply at your transit agency. You'll network with over 500 professionals and learn industry trends, all from the comfort of your home or office. Registration is now open. Visit trapezegroup.com slash thinktransit to register today. Thank you for being with us today on Comfort's Corner. If it's Wednesday, it's Transit Unplugged. So every week, this starting this year of 2021, we've decided to put out a fresh podcast. Every other week is a long-form interview with a transit CEO executive from somewhere around the world. Uh, this next week, we have uh, another great interview, some, someone that you probably don't get to hear anywhere else uh, around the world, and that's Anne Graham, who's CEO of the National Transport System in Ireland. Uh, and then we have lined up some other ones, which I'll wait and tell you about later, but they are going to be great. We've got some real top global leaders on uh, our long form interviews, 30 minute interviews on the regular transit unplugged. And then in the intervening weeks, our conference corner shows conference corner is where we bring you what you just heard today, which is headline news, a newsmaker interview with someone in the industry that's making news or that can tell us about news being made. Uh, and then a couple smaller segments, and then a look at the future of public transportation. And that's what this is. One of the great things also is that it's time uh, time sensitive. And so I want to tell you about, there's I, basically every week I speak at a conference somewhere around the world. This week, um, the middle week in February, uh, I spoke at, on uh, today actually, if you're hearing this on the day, it, it's going live. I'm speaking at uh, Tampa, Florida section of uh, transportation engineers. And then on Thursday, the 18th, I'm speaking a short session sponsored by TripSpark at the Southwest Transit Association 2021 annual virtual conference. There are a lot of virtual conferences going on this year. Our virtual conference here at Trapeze is going to go virtual this year. And it is called Think Transit. Think Transit used to be like a user's conference, but the last few years we've turned it into a regular public transportation conference. Uh, that's attended by four to 500 people. This year, because of COVID, we decided to make it a virtual conference. The theme for the conference is connecting communities through technology. And the pricing, because it's uh, virtual, has gone way down. Uh, it's only $300 and you get access to all the keynote addresses. And we've got some amazing keynote speakers from the industry that we'll be announcing very soon. We have five tracks covering many uh, industry sessions. Um, lots of polls and interactive features, conference chats, a virtual solution center where you can see demos of products, a virtual networking session where you can connect with your peers. It's going to be held April 26th through 28th, uh, 2021 this year. And I encourage you to attend. I, um, I am going to be a keynote speaker on the last day and then going to have some of our favorite guests and some of your favorite guests uh, that have been on Transit Unplugged on a panel uh, with me after my keynote address, and we'll have basically a live 
Transit Unplugged session that you'll be able to hear from some of the globe's leading uh, leaders of, of public transportation. I'm also gonna be curating uh, one of the tracks that is, um, we have five tracks as I mentioned, and I'll be curating one of the tracks It'll be called Connecting Communities. Technology helps in developing forward-thinking approaches to increasing mobility and accessibility for your communities, promoting economic growth and fostering equitable transportation. And uh, so I'll be, there's nine classes on that track. You can go in and out of tracks, but uh, if you wanna stick with that track, we'll have all kinds of really great speakers that we're putting together. And the, the agenda for the conference will be announced very soon. I believe it'll be next week with all the details. And you can register. Just go to trapezegroup.com, trapezegroup.com, and you can register. Register now. It's only $300, as I mentioned, for the whole conference. Finally, I want to talk to you about uh, the future of public transportation. That is what this section is about. In addition to talking about it at that conference, I wanted to let you know what we hear transit agencies are pursuing in response to COVID-19 pandemic uh, response policies. The American Public Transit Association recently did a survey this late last year of its members, and basically they said that transit agencies are pursuing contactless payment solutions, right, which we knew about, right? This is, you know, using a validator to pay for your ride instead of cash in a fare box. People want to go contactless, kind of low touch. They also are moving toward on-demand applications to book and pay for their trips, uh, and then common payment platforms and mass applications, which again, it's very, you know, it's everyone knows what's going on. Another thing I found interesting from that survey was that the number one now key performance indicator that transit agencies are looking at is customer satisfaction. And some people might call that the customer experience. And then number two is ridership. And number three is access to mobility options. I think that's interesting because up until now, a lot of transit agencies have really placed ridership as their number one performance indicator. But obviously ridership's gone way down during the COVID pandemic. And transit leaders know and understand that in order to bring them back, they have to make sure the customers are satisfied. And that's why they're moving to uh, all kinds of new approaches. One of the things they've said when it comes to data management and analytic capabilities that transit agencies are considering employing to support transit operations include, uh, is including occupancy in their GTFS real-time feed. Remember we talked about that here on Transit Unplugged? We had um, a guest speaker uh, on from MBTA and he talked about they were moving to where you could look at your phone, you could see the real time uh, information on your phone about how many people are on the bus that's coming right up to your bus stop. A lot of transit agencies are considering or moving to that. They're also using public health data for operations decision support. These are things obviously now we've, everyone's got to wear a mask, it's a federal mandate on the vehicles. But prior to this, they were looking to public health data um, and also they were looking to that to decide about you know, capacity limits on the vehicles, other things. They also want to create a more robust data management platform to support flexible, dynamic operations environments. One of the other things is that transit agencies have modified some services uh, and looked at cost containment through COVID. 80% of agencies said they were reducing their services. Uh, a little over 70% were prohibiting travel of their employees, and about 70% were deferring some of their capital expenses. Uh, and then, of course, many of them had a hiring freeze in place, about 40%. So some of that's changed since this was uh, put out because there was, in late December of the year, there was the extra tranche of funds, $14 billion, uh, from the federal government. And now, as you know, as we talked about today, there's another big chunk of money that could be coming our way in the U.S., $30 billion, to help transit agencies. So there are many agencies now are opening up kind of uh, the 
the amount of money that they're willing to spend on these things. They're also looking at technical solutions aimed at increasing safety and health, such as physical distancing, touch-free devices. They're looking at architectural and ventilation members uh, measures, such as air um, ventilation and air sanitation and surface treatments. So those are some of the technical solutions that transit agencies are looking at. When it comes to touch-free, they're looking at automatic fare collection, phone app-based fare collection, automatic door opening systems, voice-activated systems, TBMs and elevators. When it comes to physical distancing, like we said, they're looking at displaying real-time passenger density on their phone apps, passenger counting, monitoring density at, at entry points, showing distance requirements on platforms and on the signage. And uh, th those are some of the big things they're doing. So I just wanted to take a look at some of that and, and uh, give you some context for what you may be doing at your transit agency. And thanks for being with us today on this edition of Comfort's Corner, where we try to keep you up to date on the latest breaking news that's happening around the transit industry. Stay safe out there and tune in next week for another edition of Transit Unplugged. If it's Wednesday, it's Transit Unplugged. <music>